the world of paid advertising, I'm talking Google ads, Facebook ads, are undergoing tremendous transformation because of new privacy updates, not just from Apple, but also in the pipeline from Google. As digital marketers, what can we do to measure ROI in a non-trackable world? We are going to invite an expert on to answer those very questions on this next episode of the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. Digital, social media, content influencer, marketing, blogging, podcasting, vlogging, TikToking, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, SEO, SEM, PPC, email marketing. Whew. There's a lot to cover. Whether you're a marketing professional, entrepreneur, or business owner, you need someone you can rely on for expert advice. Good thing you've got Neil on your side. Because Neil Schaefer is your, your digital, digital marketing, marketing coach. coach. Helping you grow your business with digital first marketing, one episode at a time. This is your digital marketing coach, and this is Neil Schaefer. Hey, everybody, Neil Schaefer here. Welcome to episode number 255 of the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. This is obviously your digital marketing coach, Neil Schaefer. How are you all doing today? I am excited because, well, tomorrow, that sort of tells you when I'm recording this, uh, but tomorrow I'm off to speak at my first in-person event of 2022 in Louisville, Kentucky at the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Annual Convention. I hope some of you will be there, and I hope to be sharing what I talk about there in future episodes. A uh, hint, hint, one is about LinkedIn for real estate agents, and another session is going to be all about reimagining your content for social media. That's going to make a great episode in the future. So make sure you stay subscribed or you subscribe if you haven't. All right. So today we're going to be talking about all about measuring your digital marketing ads ROI in a non-trackable world. Advertising today is very, very different than it was two years ago. If you're doing the exact same thing, you're probably not getting the same ROI. Your digital advertising is not getting the same impact. Now, I don't talk a lot about Google pay-per-click or you know Facebook ads, Instagram ads, what have you on this podcast, but obviously it is an important component of digital and social media marketing. And that's why I'm really excited to introduce you all to Elijah Kirsch, who is the founder and CEO of Zonder Marketing. And Elijah is a true expert and he'll go into his background on really all things digital and social, but with a focus on paid ads and analytics. And obviously these two things go hand in hand together. So obviously we looked at what is going on in the current digital and social media advertising situation, this further push for privacy and its impact on your advertising. We're going to talk a lot about how to measure ROI through a variety of A-B testing methods. And some of these are extremely creative, the uh, ways that Elijah brings up that I think you'll find really, really fascinating and interesting and hopefully impactful for your business, as well as how to discover the hidden, in air quotes, ROI measurements in your data. All right, fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a impactful episode that hopefully will change the way you look at your paid advertising and hopefully you tweak things starting immediately after you listen to this podcast. I've already been informing my clients 
of some of the things that we talked about. And I, I do believe it is that impactful. So without further ado, here's my interview with Elijah Kirsch from Zonder Marketing. You're listening to Your Digital Marketing Coach. This is Neil Schaefer. Elijah, welcome to the Your Digital Marketing Coach podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you as well. You've come highly recommended from my friends over at Maple, who I know you work with a lot, and we'll, we'll talk more about them. But Elijah, today we're going to talk about digital marketing, advertising, digital social, the whole bit. Um, but before we do that, it's always fun and educational to understand sort of your story and how you got to do what you do today. So why don't we start there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I've been working in digital marketing for around 12 years now. Uh, started off in uh, search engine marketing and eventually have run a few different teams, uh, including high level 30 person uh, marketing teams um, at a larger company. Uh, also have grown startups like zero to 10 people at uh, the marketing organization at a startup. Currently, I'm doing paid search, paid social analytics, uh, all of those things for uh, digital marketing and consulting, decided to uh, leave in-house uh, after about 10 years or so and, and do the consulting thing on my own and, and started to build up this uh, uh, this little boutique agency that I'm running right now. Really wanted to kind of provide an extra level of analytics and, and thought compared to the uh, consultants that I generally ran into, or the agencies, I should say, is a, a is a better way to phrase that, um, that I generally ran into when kind of working at uh, at my businesses. Um, and then, of course, was introduced, uh, we were introduced via Maple, who's done a lot with helping me as far as growing the business. They're a great platform for consultants to find clients and then uh, the clients to be matched with uh, vetted experts. So uh, I've used them a lot, too. So um, yeah, that's roughly me in uh, in 30 seconds. So you've been in the space for a while and obviously digital marketing advertisement has changed over time. Um, we've obviously seen the emergence of social media, of various platforms and various ways you can advertise on those platforms. So compared to, you know, a decade ago, and we're going to talk more about the privacy issues that are really top of mind in marketers today. How would you, you know, sort of talk about this evolution of digital marketing and what it what it sort of means to, to marketers and businesses? I, I see it as just amazing opportunities in many, many different ways to advertise and find your target customer. Would you agree that it's only been a positive thing up until the privacy issues? Um, I think marketing has gotten got so good over the last um, eight to nine years. You know, Facebook in the end wound up being the greatest platform for marketing like ever created by a lot, in my opinion. Uh, you kind of look at where we were before. There are companies who could do drop shipping on Facebook, have a decent ad, turn it on and start making money. It was it was just so much data. Um, it's crazy to see how it's changed. You know, I, I started marketing before Facebook ads was even a thing, um, before they had advertising. Um, you know, worked on a search engine marketing team. My first first job out of uh, out of college, there were I think about eight to nine people on that SEM team, and now that job would be done with one and a half people. Um, so, as far as our ability, uh, marketers' ability to reach people efficiently, it's until about a year and a half ago, it, it, you know, it, it was kind of exponential growth. Not quite exponential, but um, people like to use that phrase. So, um, certainly, uh, certainly was great as far as the consumer side. And now, um, now we've got some adjustments to make on the marketing side. So let's 
you know, talk about some of those adjustments. And there's a lot that's been said about what Apple did and the, uh, I guess, making it more difficult to track, yep. you know, to, to retarget across apps, what have you. Uh, in my conversation with a Facebook ads rep, he's like, no, we're just changing from cookie-based tracking to server-based tracking. So a lot of it is what you can still do. Others I hear, well, the amount of data that Facebook has right now is really restricted. So lookalike audiences aren't going to perform as well and interest. So, so sort of what is, you know, how did we get here? I guess is like the first question, you know, what's happened over the last, you said 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So Facebook specifically, I, I believe that you kind of go look at the history and how the two CEOs of Apple and, and Facebook interact with each other was restricted from a significant amount of data. Of course, other platforms were, but Facebook was kind of the, the main one. This caused essentially Facebook to have realistically probably a thousand, maybe 2000 data points about you to potentially only having one data point about you. Um, and so all these you know, algorithms that they were using are not as effective, not nearly as effective. And it took a few months for this to happen um, because like all that data still existed and, you know, people were changing, changing their buying habits. But, uh, you know, you mentioned lookalikes. My experience uh, with lookalikes is before the big change, it was, you know, usually on Facebook accounts, they'd represent around 80% uh, of spend for performance-based accounts. And I would say that's, down to 50% at most, oftentimes interests are, 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 are doing, doing significantly better. So yeah, it, it's been a little bit crazy. And, and one thing that I've been uh, jumping into to really learn more and try to get these numbers up, I don't think we're ever going to get back to where we used to be, but um, the Facebook platform, I'm always surprised by the consultants or agencies who don't like to use the AB testing tool. I love it. I've used it for creatives. I've used it for uh, audience testing. Anytime I know what the, the uh, A-B testing tool, anytime I have a hypothesis about what a, an ad would be or about the percentages, it works out pretty well. It's, it's gotten some hate, but um, uh, if I were a marketer, if I were in someone else's shoes and not using it, I would, I would start using that uh, a lot. In all honesty, in the early days, you probably heard of a tool called Ad Espresso. And, I remember uh, that, yeah. Yeah, it's a tool that I use because Facebook didn't have that sort of functionality, yeah. but now they've really invested, haven't they, in the functionality of their own tool, although it's still complex, but the functionality is there, right? Yeah, it, it, it's there and it, it, it's great. One of um, one of the clients uh, I was working with, with uh, Maple, was a, a direct-to-consumer to healthcare client. Um, and one thing that I believe in is uh, when you're taking over um, a client that already exists and they already have campaigns, don't just run your own. Like I've seen that happen so many times where agencies, consultants are like, Hey, like I've got a better idea. Like, let's just do this. I did uh, AB tests, like every single campaign, they had lookalikes, they had interests and they had remarketing AB tested all of them with uh, what I thought were going to be better campaigns. Um, and I was right for lookalikes and remarketing, but I was wrong for interests. And like, that's fine. Uh, like, you know, share the data, admit it and, and kind of uh, carry on and see how to like, boost up uh boost up that specific campaign so um yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of that tool even though it seems a little simplistic i'm always surprised by uh the amount of people who say they've never used it oh wow okay so with this i i guess you know taking a step back from the current privacy issues a lot of people think of you know paid digital paid social in terms of like the funnel right so yep. at the very top it's you know the interests and and maybe it's like a video ad 
and, and building up that sort of that, that audience, right? That's, that's beginning to engage with you and then taking it one step further and then obviously getting into remarketing and then you have advocacy campaigns with what's happened with the privacy uh, issues beginning with Apple. But I, I mean, would you agree that there's more to come on other platforms, I guess, first of all, and then second of all, what, does that funnel still look the same or how has it changed? So, um, Google announced uh, in February that they are going to start um, doing something similar. They haven't gone into all the details. Um, you know, I, I've read the blog post, but uh, they say they're going to have a beta test in it um, by the end of the year. So those things are coming. Google's the main one. Like once you start uh, uh, start getting blocked from from there, you're, you're you've pretty much got everyone. Um, it's much harder to block on the, on the browsers, um, at the level that they do on the apps and, and the kind of that area. So definitely happening, need to prepare for it, or I don't even know if it's need to prepare for it. You need to test for it with iOS and then be ready for what those changes will, will eventually lead to with Android. And then, uh, remind me of the, the second aspect of your question. The second aspect is just sort of what would with post Armageddon <laughs> post, yep, yep. you know, these changes, what does the ideal sort of paid digital marketing funnel look like compared to what it was before these changes? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to say something that's uh, maybe a little bit different than what people, most people would say, or most people would expect. I actually like what uh, I like these changes. Um, I like for what they mean for my job and I like what they mean for uh, marketing going forwards. The funnel, uh, as you talked about, these YouTube, these kind of funnel stuff, everything worked so well before that the actual incrementality of these funnel changes weren't really ever measured, um, in my opinion. Like, I, you know, talk to people, like, basically what happens, hey, we're doing so well, like, let's start a YouTube campaign, going, let's start a uh, click-based campaign. I've never seen those be effective on, on Facebook. Um, like you're just getting people who like only want to click on ads and will never buy anything for a performance campaign at the very least. And so I actually like what it'll cause. Um, it uh, is going to cause marketing organizations to really have to think about their funnel in a uh, much more in-depth way than what I think was going on before. Um, I think it will lead uh, other consultants and agencies to really be able to get involved in that, um, really kind of dive into the analytics of kind of where things are going and what the next steps are. So while this year is tough, just because you have that year over year comparison, I think going forwards with these, you're going to see much smarter implementations, much um, much more cohesive stories, doing uh, putting more effort into those areas. Um, then I think what often got uh, uh, done in the past um, at small and medium-sized businesses, larger ones uh, kind of have the resources to put that out, but small and medium-sized businesses, I think are going to um, be a lot more exciting and a lot more fun to work with as we uh, have to readjust this funnel and really look at it at a, at a high level. So what are the specific things that businesses should be doing now? I assume it's going to deal with what, what we refer to often as first-party data, right? I'm just trying to get yeah. as much of that from... Uh, from the internet as possible, but uh, outside of that, uh, you know, what it, it, is it going to come down to just brand new A-B testing with interest and in, in the whole bit or? So I, I think um, where we can really start to make a difference as consultants um, and a big part of when I, uh, when I started doing this on my own, I really wanted to be more analytical and really focus on truly adding incrementality to the business. Um, I think five years ago, it was very easy to say, hey, like remarketing is doing well. Um, I've run remarketing tests, A-B tests, true A-B tests. 
uh, on both Google and Facebook, and they are never as incremental as the platforms would have you believe. And so uh, I think what the businesses are going to start to do is really understand what that incrementality is. So um, uh, a very small example for, uh, and then we can talk about how it can be broader, is um, another, uh, an apparel client I was working with, with Maple, um, actually had had a uh, website up for, call it, um, three months before I started. Uh, with them. They hadn't been running anything, hadn't been running any Facebook ads, hadn't been running any Google ads. So you truly knew like, okay, they've got one sale per week organically. Started uh, started doing some things on well, somewhere between like 10 or 15 sales per week. It's like, okay, um, that's not quite break even. You know, we've only been running for a couple of weeks. This is not too bad. Um, but when you look at the Shopify data, uh, we were actually getting like uh, 25 to 30 sales. So people were clearly seeing that Facebook ad, um, not clicking on the ad or not getting attributed to Facebook and coming back and converting later um, through direct, et cetera. So we've always known that's happened, but having that data point, like at a true startup that no, you know had no other data was like really cool for me to see and, and be able to use and share. So um, we're gonna have to be doing that a lot. Like how do you break that up? Um, another cool way to do that is you on the display network, people say display is great. Remarketing is great. You can run fake ads. You can run ads that uh, uh, aren't talking about your business and see how many uh, conversions Google is attributing into it because these are people who would have converted anyway. So you start to show that to your client and you say, hey, like, I'd really love to test out this other new platform. I'd love to you know, play a little bit more with TikTok, with Snap. Like, let's take this budget. Let's put it in there. Um, uh, I think we're going to start to see some really, uh, really interesting things. YouTube, um, obviously with the, uh, upper, uh, the top of the funnel and seeing, uh, seeing if we can kind of bring that traffic in. It sounds like it sort of forces marketers to rethink the entire approach and to just think holistically about all of this, right? I think we as marketers need to be much more integrated. No longer can we just look at return on ad spend and call it a day. Another client I'm working with uh, doing Google Shopping. I've reset up all their campaigns based on their actual margin. Um, like I got that into the Google Merchant Center, figured out how to, uh, you know, break these out with the custom categories and all that stuff, custom labels. Um, and now what we've seen is that though our revenue has remained pretty constant, our profit has jumped up 2x just because. Uh, we stopped bidding on products that had a 10% margin and started bidding much more on products that had a 50% margin. And that's something that uh, I, I really think we we need to be adding as, as consultants and, and marketers um, internally or externally is like, we have to be willing to go kind of jump into that that data and be like, how do we make this work for the entire company? Because otherwise, year over year, it's going to be hard to justify, right? Um, you're going to look at the numbers and be like, oh, it's, it's probably it's probably harder than it was last year. Right. I guess that's uh, part of the problem is, you know, Google Analytics will report sales, but not necessarily profits. So it requires yeah. the consultant to do a little bit more hard work. And I guess in that aspect, you brought up a really interesting point. It's something I hear from a lot of my own clients, which is the attribution, which normally Facebook is showing, you know, way more sales than what shows up in Google Analytics. And then you got Shopify um, yeah. and just you know, these these multiple touch points, and, and I know that Google Analytics has some capability to, to do that. What is sort of your, when you work with clients, you know, with Maple on the attribution of all this, how do we sort of put all that together? 
Yeah, so um, it's tough. And uh, what's what's helpful about working with Maple and clients is um, having someone else uh, on on my side to kind of push push these different ideas. Um, Maple's a, a very analytical driven organization. Um, you know, they vet everyone, and I, I they uh, uh, clients who or excuse me, um, consultants who get accepted. I believe it's only like one out of twenty. They actually go look at the analytics and what people have done. Um, really, uh, really impressive stuff. So when I'm working with a client, um, working with Maple, uh, you know, we need to show them all the data. And uh, I think it's also important to understand who your client is, which is some clients don't like data, right? If you're working with a brand marketer, like you have to think very differently about how you're presenting than if it's someone who's a performance marketer and running you as, a, as an agency and client. And that's, that's hard to do. Um, and so what we do is we, uh, you know, we show each platform we show how Shopify is doing, we show how Google Analytics is doing, we show how Facebook's doing. Um, we explain the uh, explain the issues. One issue that I was very surprised started coming up. Um, if you know, for Facebook, the top event um, is supposed to always record data, um, but Facebook is guesstimating that event a lot more than I, I thought. Um, and I can tell it's happening because I can compare the fluctuations in Google Analytics and Facebook uh, as they come up. So like, obviously they shouldn't match exactly, but the swings are huge and you can kind of see Facebook estimating those. So, um, it's about showing those different ones. If we're working with a very analytical client, we can put together some sort of attribution model. Like what can we say on the back end? Like, okay, we think Facebook is worth about 0.7, um, of what it's showing and start to kind of do those all on the back end. My favorite thing, side note to say to a CEO or, uh, head of marketing who's really pushing for this and being like, hey, we really need analytics. We really need this data. Like, we got to get it. I'm like, okay, this is actually super easy to do. It's super easy. And they're always like, oh, wait, how is this so easy? I'm like, turn the channel off. Turn the channel off for 30 days and we will know exactly what the difference it is. Um, and then they usually gawk at that. So uh, how do we work around that? How do you create those separate landing pages, right, with offers? That's something else that I've been testing recently, which is... Um, uh, actually having a Facebook ad that tells them to go to landing page slash offer seven or whatever it may be to see, uh, to try to match that up and try to figure out how many people are going without clicking um, because you send a click, uh, you send a click somewhere else. So you start to like realize like how many people are actually interacting with this ad um, and not clicking on it, which can always be interesting. It's sort of like this case study I remember of the early days of Facebook ads where someone was just posting, it was actually like an SEO agency in Phoenix mm -hmm. and they were just posting some obnoxious, irrelevant visual with the name of the company. They, they knew that no one was going to click on the ad, but they just sent it out so much and got so much yeah. visibility. They started getting phone calls a few months later, like I see your ad everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, th that notion of, of really using ad platforms to experiment yeah. in, in many different ways. And I guess that leads in sort of the, the next topic, which is, you know, measuring ROI through a variety of A-B testing methods. And mm -hmm. I'm sure the, the the average marketer has done their share of A-B testing. Um, I'm curious as to what are your favorite A-B testing methods, or what, I guess what is possible with A-B testing uh, to prove the ROI? Yeah, for sure. So um, some of these will be uh, similar to what we kind of talked about as they, they start to overlap, but I'll, I'll get out a couple. So one, um, don't underestimate the A-B testing tool for Facebook. Google has one for search. It's not nearly as strong um, because they limit it um, and it's not available for some of their platforms, but it, it is interesting. You can play around with uh, those stuff. Um, 
what we're just talking about is, is very similar to it and part of the reason it leads into it so well, which is what I was suggesting as far as saying company.com slash uh, offer seven um, is how traditional uh, banner, banner, not display banner, not internet banner, but like um, outdoor banner, right? Yeah, uh, magazine work, ads. Essentially. Are... Magazines ads. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so we already, especially if you're in a big organization, you might already have some data to be able to utilize and kind of go back and, and find and help include in your A-B tests as you kind of show different ads and see where they're going. You might have some estimates as far as like, hey, if a person sees an outdoor banner ad, we expect this many people. Like, um, So uh, th those are some interesting uh, aspects. Um, the on-off, I love. I love it for small channels and I love it for... Uh, new channels when you're creating uh, unique landing pages to send people to. Um, especially uh, especially YouTube is probably a better example than Facebook to, to do this since um, very few people click through on YouTube. There, it, it really is kind of a reminder and upper funnel, um, but having those different, uh, those different landing pages there too. Um, and then uh, what would be the, the last one that I, I like to play around with? Oh, um, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up again, which is the, um, the display ads with uh, showing a fake ad. That, that to me is something that clients can kind of really wrap their heads around once they see that data and what, it, what happens to it. Even just changing how your remarketing looks um, uh, can be very useful. Looking at a, a certain client, I saw that 95% of people were converting within three days after, uh, after coming to the website. Uh, so one A-B test I did, is uh, took, this was on Facebook, I removed three days. So basically I said, remarketing to everybody and then remarketing to everybody, excluding people who have seen the website in the last three days. The CP, uh, CPIs, or actually CPAs on this, uh, this case, doubled. Uh, so you know from what it looked like, um, the costs were significantly higher, but we actually didn't lose any, um, uh, any, any purchases, like they were exactly the same. So that allowed us to kind of move this budget around saying, Hey, these people are going to get caught by email. These people are going to come back because of direct. Um, we don't need to, you know, just take credit for that on our end. We're, we're happy to share that credit. So those are uh, probably the four, four main ways where uh, I start to look at that. Very cool. So you really got to think outside of the box and, I, I, hopefully none of my listeners are still pressing that stupid boost button uh, on Facebook because obviously you can't do anything that we talked about. Um, but really thinking holistically about this is uh, is going to give you the best results. What about, and maybe you've already talked about this, but when we were preparing for the interview, you were, you were talking about these hidden ROI measurements that are in your data. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, there's a lot of things that uh, exist um, that you might not be uh, thinking of immediately. And it's a little bit of thinking outside of the box. So the first one is, uh, and the easiest in my opinion, is the, these profit and margin data, um, especially if you're working on something like Google Shopping or now or soon um, Performance Max campaigns. So we are going to you can completely change how a company works and operates by understanding that data. It takes a lot more effort um, and it's uh, it takes time and it takes understanding and it takes setting setting all this stuff up. But uh, uh, I find it extremely, extremely helpful. Another one is how are you really setting up and automating automating your your reports and dashboards? Um, 
one thing when I was uh, in-house, what would bug me the most is clients or when I had an agency um, and something broke, like, let's say the pixel broke, like, it's not the end of the world. You were still getting those purchases, but like, it shouldn't take three days to notice. And I could tell clients just weren't looking at these, um, weren't looking every day, which um, you don't need to make changes every day. We, we all know that at this point, but you should at least be looking every day. So I set up um, a ton of automated supermetrics reports. Um, supermetrics, great for automating uh, uh, data into Google Data Studio and Google Sheets, by the way. There are other great clients out there. That's a, a very cost-effective one. Um, and make sure that I'm seeing it uh, every single day and where kind of those those numbers are appearing and where they're coming from. And that helps me notice it uh, as it comes out um, and notice if anything breaks. I can look, check every morning. OK, looks good. Moving on. Um, and I don't have to log into a platform, uh, Google and Facebook and TikTok, if I'm doing all three of those. I can just see it in one area, which uh, is, is very nice. Um, and then working with Maple and their uh, analytical teams again. The ability to kind of work with people to have uh, different ideas and different testing methodologies, um, I find very helpful. So what are these weird and random audiences that you might not be thinking of um, that exist in your data that you can notice um, either by pulling some demographic data, um, either by pulling some, what, what other ones could you have? Uh, some location data, you could probably start to see um, some of these audiences. So if you find people um, you know, I love barbecue. Uh, I love I love uh, Texas barbecue. It tends to be more of a Southern thing. So if there is, uh, you know, swimsuits and you're in the summer, like targeting an interest like that, though it might seem completely out of nowhere, might hit those right people because they tend to be in a in a different low the different location as far as like what food they they kind of like. So um, using those types of analyses, like um, I've I found some very weird and very interesting data. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what I, what I learned from growing up in, in Virginia and one of the random ideas that I did not think would work um, and then uh, worked out well. It's really fascinating hearing you speak because we tend to think of digital marketing ads as being a very geeky, data-driven, heavy on the analytics sort of, you know, craft and science, but there's also that art side of it, which we've talked a lot about, of really yeah. thinking of these, of, of connecting these data points that uh, probably most people don't think of. And I think it's also something where you need to have experience. And as you mentioned, you have a team behind you. If if you only have one person doing this for you, then they're limited by their own one person experience. Whereas as part of a team and obviously yourself having a decade of experience, that's uh, that's a lot to pull from. So we talked a lot about Maple. So I guess people may be wondering, well, what, what, what the heck is this Maple? So maybe we should, uh, before we finish, just uh, you know talk a little bit about, uh, because they are a very, very unique organization. Uh, and I know that you work with them. Uh, I've worked with them as well. So how would you sort of describe them to uh, our listener? Yeah, for sure. So um, if you're a consultant, they're a great platform to help you um, find um, clients. Um, I, I started working with them uh, maybe a year and a half uh, ago now, um, and it definitely helped uh, me accelerate my business and also gave me a lot of support um, to understand um you know, coming in and helping clients in, in different ways, making suggestions, having someone else to push push us forwards for the right way. Um, and then if you're, uh, you know, your brand, um, they have vetted experts. What, you know, I, I tend to work in like the apparel, real estate, healthcare areas. And you've heard me mention like a healthcare client. So got matched with a healthcare client. We started working together 
And I already had uh, an understanding of what, what he was uh, going through, what they were going through. Um, so they're great in that way. You know, right now, the system's kind of tough, right, to find find everybody. Um, Maple's a new experience. Uh, uh, they're the future of like hiring marketing talent that's flexible, it's trustworthy, it's transparent. Um, and you can kind of always go in and know exactly what you're getting. Whereas, uh, at least from the brand side, I experienced this a couple of times is, you know, some promises are made, but they, uh, you just, you just don't know who you're working with until, until you work with them for a while. So they help with that. They help alleviate that a lot from, from the brand side. So, um, works, works out for both sides. Yeah. There's sort of an agency of experienced consultants with a vetted, with a vetting system and a best practices in standard operating procedures. I'm trying to think of like the combination of things, but they are really, really unique uh, presence in the market, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. And and some of the things that I was mentioning, they, they also, uh, they also work on, they, uh, they have some very good analytical people as well as analytical dashboards for the clients to make sure that they, they share um, they actually have automated reports that both me and the, uh, the clients get that say, Hey, last week budget was this spend was this, you know, we're on pace. We're not on this. So, um, it takes some of, uh, some of the work off of, uh, off of the, the marketer also, um, because you don't have to uh, put everything together. So it can be very helpful in that way. Yeah. So needless to say, as you could hear from what Elijah was saying, this is a very, very complex, um, science and art. And if you've been trying to do it yourself, uh, it's one thing. But if you really want to get results and you're spending a lot of money on this, you'll want to work with a team of experts. And that's where you should definitely, uh, you know, reach out to Maple. We'll, we'll put a, a link uh, in the show notes as well as, you know, Elijah to your own company. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I encourage everyone. And Maple is not just paid social and, and paid digital. They do other uh, things as well. But um, definitely when I have clients that are looking to work with an agency, especially if they're in e-commerce, I will... Mm-hmm you know, undoubtedly introducing the Maple because they're just going to get better served that way. Yeah, for sure. Love, uh, love working with them. I've, uh, I've worked with many clients uh, through Maple. So um been a great experience. Cool. So Elijah, I mean, we covered a lot. Is there anything, any other advice you want to give the, the entrepreneur, the marketer that's, that's listening to this podcast um, about, you know, about digital uh, advertising, uh, what they can, wh- what they should be doing or what they can be looking forward to in the next year or two? Yeah, the the last thing I'll close out with because we didn't talk a lot about it. Um, I love the analytics. That's where I stay. I love to dive into that. Two years ago, you could do drop shipping with a mediocre creative um, on Facebook. Uh, you can't have mediocre mediocre creatives anymore. Um, they have to be on point. You have to uh, you have to be working with people. Um, uh, you have to be integrated into that brand team. Um, you want to be giving them advice, obviously, you know, in a in a positive way. But um, that's getting way, way more important than it used to be. So um, though we talked a lot about analytics, don't undercut that. Like uh, uh, any, any agency, any team is going to need someone who can really think about that and put some, uh, uh, put some power behind testing some, some creatives um, and making them look good uh, on YouTube and Facebook or, and TikTok even more so now. Out of curiosity on that point, because I, I tend to talk a lot about influencer marketing on this podcast, are you seeing an uptake in brands that are leveraging user-generated content, whether it comes from an influencer or not, but but leveraging user-generated content for their creative? And if so, is it performing better or worse? Um, I I would say it's a little bit of an uptick. Honestly, I feel like it was more in the last year when brands really started to kind of do that in a, in a much more 
Um, over the last uh, little bit, uh, it, it probably hasn't been a huge jump. Um, I find it uh, to be it to, to it for it to depend. Um, uh, I think there's an equality to it. Um, very rarely do I walk in um, and see a client and say, "Hey, like the only thing they're doing is influencer." Usually, like it's half influencer and half something else. Um, whether that's like a nice uh, pre-made video that they put effort in, or like just some some nice images. Um, but, but usually like the influencer is taken up probably half if you're not a huge brand, like I'm, I'm kind of excluding huge brands, which, um, uh, which kind of do their own thing. But if you're a small, medium brand, uh, I'm seeing that as like half, especially in the e-commerce, uh, e-commerce world for sure. That's great advice, my friend. So, uh, just to end things out, uh, if people want to, you know, connect with you, find out more about you and your business, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, Zonder, uh, io. Um, that was more interesting than .com, I guess. Find me there, uh, Elijah at uh, Zonder.io um, for uh, my email address. Um, happy to happy to chat. Also, Elijah Kirsch on LinkedIn. Search for Zonder. You'll you'll probably find me there. So, um, yeah, happy to happy to communicate with anybody. And if anyone thinks I'm wrong, I'd, I'd love to talk to you even more. Like discuss <laughs> it uh, for anything that I've said. So. Yeah, we could have geeked out about this like all day, it seems. But uh, as you know, we like to keep these podcasts sort of short and sweet. So thank you so much for your time. Um, I know it was incredibly beneficial to myself as well as the listeners. And uh, yeah, I hope to uh, you know be in touch. And maybe a year from now, we'll have you back on and see how everything with, with Google's changes, how everything maps out. Uh, I would love to. I would love to. Great, uh, great to be here. And thank you for having me, Neil. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. I hope you really enjoyed that interview as much as I did. It's time to do a reset on how you look at your digital advertising and tweak things using some of the methods that Elijah recommended. I think you're going to see major impact, uh, major increases in your ROI going forward. And this is only the beginning. These efforts for privacy, you know, we're not going to turn back the clock. You know, Ukraine's not becoming part of USSR. It's an independent country. And those days of uh, being able to access just lots of data utilizing these platforms, those days are coming to an end pretty quickly. So you need to readjust and hopefully this podcast and this episode will help you do so. If you need ongoing help with your digital and social media marketing, obviously, in case you don't know, I have a mastermind community where we meet once a week on Zoom calls and I'm doing my best as well as other experts in our community to handhold and really help each of our members hold them accountable and really make sure that week by week they are making progress on their business, leveraging digital and social media marketing as their strategic engine. It's called the Digital First Mastermind Community. You can go to neilshafer.com slash membership to get all the details and to subscribe to the service, or I should say to the community, right there. All right, everybody. As always, I really appreciate all of the reviews that all of you have, well, many of you, I, I don't think it's all of you looking at my download numbers, but that many of you have taken a minute out of your busy day. It would really mean a lot to me if you haven't. Just go into your favorite podcast player and just leave a real simple review of this podcast if you find it helpful to expose it to others. Reviews are part of the algorithm that every podcast player uses to introduce new shows to their listeners. And I hope that this podcast is worthy enough to be shareable and to be recommendable. And obviously, if you're new here, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you're already subscribed, keep tuned. Lots of great episodes in the pipeline. And until next time, everybody, this is your digital marketing coach, Neil Schaefer, signing off. 
You've been listening to your digital marketing coach. Questions, comments, requests, links? Go to podcast.neilshafer.com. Get the show notes to this and 200 plus podcast episodes at neilshafer.com to tap into the 400 plus blog posts that Neil has published to support your business. While you're there, check out Neil's Digital First Group Coaching Membership Community if you or your business needs a little helping hand. See you next time on Your Digital Marketing Coach.